One of my aims is to show how the way that you think as an artist can be transferred into... This was Deborah Henry Pollard, and we had such a great conversation. She had such good insight of artists' needs and our struggles. So let me talk a little bit about her. Deborah is a coach and author. She works internationally with creative professionals, offering clarity, perspective, and support so they can overcome blocks and get into action and thrive. She also has a desire that people discover that the skills and imagination we feed their creative work can also be used to successful in other areas of their professional lives. Deborah's book, What's Your Excuse for Not Succeeding as an Artist, was published in 2018. I hope you enjoy. We had a great conversation. You can always DM me or leave a podcast review. We would love to hear from you. Here's Deborah. Welcome to the Artistically You podcast, where mixed media art is a place for all. Here, we are going to talk about art as a mindful practice, connect with our creativity, and embrace curiosity. This is your host, mixed media artist, Jana Oliveira. Debra, thank you so much for being here. I'm so, so excited for you to be in the podcast. How are you? I'm very well, and thank you so much for inviting me. It's lovely to talk with you again. Yeah, and and say to people where you are talking to me from. Uh, I'm in London, South London in England. Yeah, if people already didn't figure out by your lovely accent. (laughs) Thank you. Because it's one of my favorite accents. Um, You know, just a side thing that when um, I passed by London, when we were going to... I think when I was going to Jordan and I just loved while we were there waiting for our other flight and I was on this magazine things that sell, you know, magazines, water, whatever. And I just saw this family of these kids. I just want to be close to them so I can hear them talk because I thought it was so <laughs> cute. Then talking with a British accent, like, no, mommy, could I have this magazine? It's like, yes, please just talk more. I just want to listen. <laughs> it was funny the first time I went to New York which was oh god I don't know how many years ago 30 odd years ago um I had to take a taxi and I got in and I said uh, can you take me to where it said and he said oh fine said, just keep talking to me I love I love listening <laughs> to you talk and he in fact didn't charge me for the ride it was oh my, my god. first introduction to New York cabs that was amazing <laughs> oh my god and and I, I believe that saved you a lot of money so that is fun that is fun so Deborah, you are author and you are also a coach tell people what you do because you help artists so I and that's why I'm excited for you to be here so tell me a little bit about what you do Uh, well I'm a coach it's like life coaching but I work Mm -hmm. very specifically with creative people and it just has kind of narrowed down to artists um, because uh, something that I've seen a lot, I, I work backstage, if you like, or in administration of lots of arts organizations. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I saw was that people were so incredible at their creative side, mm-hmm. but they were held back by their mindsets, either their own things like their own confidence or by the stories that are told, like you can't make money as an artist mm, yes. um, or artist, being an artist isn't really a proper job. 
mm-hmm. all that kind that of one stuff. is a lot <laughs> oh yes and and artists who say oh I can't possibly charge people for my mm. art because I love doing it I, I, which throws up all kinds of you know issues around Another, how yeah. regard money mm-hmm. um oh you should only get paid if you hate what you do mm. Mm. that's interesting thought but you know and and one of the things that I saw particularly on the kind of um if you like the business side the practical side of mm-hmm. being a professional artist is that uh, there was a lot of conversation about um oh, I can't do that because I'm not Mm -hmm. business-minded and that kind of thing. And So one of my aims is to show how the way that you think as an artist can be transferred into the way that you do everything else Mm -hmm. and also the way that you approach life Mm -hmm. generally can be – you can use those skills as an artist to run your business. Now, I'd be very clear, I'm not a business coach, so I couldn't tell Mm -hmm. somebody, you know, how to do their – figures or how to you know register for their tax or stuff like that but Mm -hmm. it's just getting people to think that I mean this is a simple one that I use in a workshop which is uh if it's a a face-to-face workshop Mm -hmm. we used to have those I used to say to people think about how you got here today you made the decision to come here you put it in your diary you were that you had the fare to get here or the petrol money to get here. You worked out the route that you were going to get here. You do that all the time. You do it every time you walk out of the front door to go to the shops. Well, in a very simple way, those are exactly the same skills that you need in order to run a business. You need to know where, where you want to get to as an right. artist. Uh, you need to put a roadmap in place. You need to work out, you know, how much money you need, stuff like that. I mean, this is simplifying it hugely, but yeah, yeah, yeah. even just getting people over those steps of going, oh, well, I know how to do that. I know how right. to work out, you know, have I got enough money when I go shopping today, that kind of stuff. So budgeting, mm-hmm. it's those sorts of skills. And these are things that stop people a lot. And also this whole question of what is success and, you know, people look at what other other artists are doing and think, oh, that's what my career should look like, rather than why do you create? What is yes. it that's important to you as a creator? Is it to, to spread joy? Is it to educate people? Is it to make people think, you know? And how do you want to be known in the world? You know, some people want to be famous and rich and fantastic go for it mm-hmm. but others want to be earning enough money to keep doing what they're doing right. some want to use their art because they've got a particular message they want to get across whether it's about you know climate change or gender or uh, you know all those kinds of issues yeah um, and so it's about finding out what it is that you want to do and I kind of believe that most people know what it is that they want to do in the world Mm. but it gets so buried by your parents telling you that isn't a proper job Mm. by society saying you've got to be earning lots of money that's what success is by um oh I can't possibly do that because people like me don't do it you know all the oughts and the shoulds and the stories and when I'm working with people it's fascinating because I usually work with people for a minimum of six sessions Mm -hmm. and they come to me at the first session saying this is the thing I want to work on over the six sessions mm-hmm. and we start working on that and I ask lots of questions and find out what they really like doing and what might be getting in the way and then sometimes about three or four sessions in 
they'll say, actually, the thing I really want to do is, and that's when this big dream comes out. Mm. I've created the space, which is non-judgmental. If someone says, you know, I want to have a piece of my work in a major museum, I don't go, really? Seriously? You? Um, I go, okay, so how how do you think could happen? What? Who do you think you might need to know? What do you think, you know, it's pulling all this information out of them, getting them to find their answers as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how your book became about when you, you so you have a book, Why You're Not Succeeding as an Artist. Yes. Right? Yeah. And, and that's how your book came about. You decide, okay, I'm work with this artist and I'm seeing the same patterns and I'm going to write a yeah. book. Well, it was funny, really. I had been writing lots of blog posts on my mm-hmm. website. Mm-hmm. And alongside that, I'd also been uh, going networking. And I met another coach who was doing health and wellness, mm-hmm. uh, Joanne Henson, her name is. And she had decided to bring out two books, one on what's your excuse for not eating healthily and what's your excuse for not getting fit, if you want mm-hmm. And so she created this kind of format where you have these the question and answer, if you like. And she had she got different authors to write about different subjects. And I think she had done about eight before mm-hmm. she said to me, have you thought of doing one about art? Like I went, no, I hadn't really. I'd never thought of writing a book. But the mm-hmm. way the format of it was so perfect for the way that I write because I don't write great long academic things right I write in a quite conversational way I like nice yes um, kind of I like things that people feel when they read an answer they'll go yeah I could do that that feels accessible that feels it's a it's not like um okay here's how you change your life in the next three months it's Here's one little thing you could do. Play with this. Try this out. And then if they do that, they think, oh, if I could do that, I could also do that. And the other great thing about the format of the books is that when you open them and you look at the contents page, Mm -hmm. you see all these different excuses, which are a lot of excuses that clients, which I have, to be Mm -hmm. honest. And you, the first thing you do is you look at those and go, oh, I thought that was only mine. I thought I was mm-hmm. the only one who used yes. that. So yes. immediately you feel, oh, this is a, hopefully this is a safe yeah. space. I actually got the book on Kindle and you're you're, you're right. It's very easy to read. I read it really fast, mm-hmm. but I had so many highlights here on my Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> I love but, that. But I, I wanted to say to people that we, in this episode, we're not going to go deeper inside the book because I'm going to do an exclusive uh, episode just with the book as I'm going to do several books that I love and that I think it can help us. And we go deeper on that. And we're going to talk more about that in the other episode. But I just want to say to people, if you want to start reading the book, I'm going to put, of course, on the notes. But I want to just say about one highlight here, because as I said, I have many. Mm-hmm. But you said, whatever is your background, your insights and instincts are as a distinct as your fingerprints. And as this individuality and uniqueness is what fuels your unique creative talents, we all benefit if you use those talents to help us to see the world in a different way. Mm. I think that was 
so profound because I think what we as artists have to start to think is, I think we are today thinking too much of others instead of what we have and not giving value on what we have because it's our hands, it's our background, it's our culture. I see people struggling with that. Uh, don't you agree that today, and I was actually recording a, a podcast yesterday that I was a guest and we were talking about this. I believe actually social media is really good. I don't believe mm-hmm. in all this evil thing because I believe that social media is going to be what we let social media be. Mm-hmm. But I think many people are using, not using, but letting social media put them down yeah. or the comparison or thinking, wow, I'm never going to have 10,000 followers but, and why this is important. Um, so I think that is preventing people to actually have joy absolutely i think that's so true and it's i'm going to be completely honest and say it's a trap that i fall into sometimes you know we all have days when we're a bit off and and you look at someone else doing something you think oh they've got it all sewn up and you think and you it's remembering to take that step back and go first of all we only show the best of ourselves on social media on the whole yes you know i don't show you the the post that didn't work or the days when I don't put the makeup on or whatever so it's kind of false from that point of view but it's, it's a parallel world right it's, a it's another world, world. Yeah. and it's I think it's about each of us bringing and I'm not saying we all have to turn up on there just looking rough or whatever but it's about being authentic so it's about posting what is true for us what we want to put across rather than trying to be um I mean I look at other coaches and I think oh I should probably make these more slick or that more slick or whatever but that's not me if I put that out like that then people come to me they're going to see Mm -hmm. there's a a dissonance they're going to think oh well actually she looks all slick on the website but when I talk to her she fluffs her words or you know when I get Mm -hmm. overexcited I tend to tumble my words together you know and stuff Mm -hmm. but that's part of who I am and I think it is about the only thing that we have that we can absolutely depend on, I think, um, is our uniqueness, is that thing that, yeah. um, and we all think we're like our friends because we're in the tribes. But I think about my best friend who's about 10 years younger than me, and sometimes I make a reference, and I can see it goes completely over her head because even yeah. though we have kind of similar backgrounds, we're just that different in age. So we yes. all have these different interests, these different bits mm-hmm. of information, these different reference points and mm-hmm. different experiences, right. you know, and it's it's not necessarily about just sitting there talking about them all the time, but it's just being aware that these things make us who we are. Mm-hmm. So how can I embrace that, use mm-hmm. that as well as being appropriate to everyone else around me. But it's about using that thing that is absolutely you and bringing in all those flavors into Mm -hmm. the world. And, you know, you will see the world in a completely different way to to the way I do, even though, because I know we've spoken before, we do have lots of values in common. We do have lots of ideas in common, but we have that background. And and looking at your, your art, I don't consider myself to be an artist I am I consider myself to be a doodler so I I do things just purely for my own well-being and I look at your work and I think the way you you your flowers are so beautiful and they're completely different to the way I would do flowers they're Mm -hmm. they're stunning the colors amazing and you think about 
I mean, you, if you walk into an art gallery, you know, that, that has a group show and you think all these people are using more or less the same materials. Yes. I think about it particularly, I love going to um, jewellery shows, mm. um, you know, where people make, you know, the bespoke jewellery mm-hmm. because I just, it's again, it's the creativity. And yeah. I can stand there where I can see maybe about, you know, 15 different stands around me. And I think all these people are using different yeah. gold and silver, perhaps two metals. I mean, even but sometimes you see the same beads, but, you know, some pieces are, you know, some beads in, in jewelry are very famous and people use them a lot. So, yeah. but it's totally different. It and, is. And, and that's what we want. We want that, um, that kind of, when you kind of think, oh, I've never seen, I've never seen it that way before. But why do you think that sometimes people want to be like the other person they want to deny their uniqueness i think sometimes it's being fearful i mean i think fear is at the bottom of a lot of Mm. things it's that fear of not wanting to to stand out it's that fear that the other person's got it right and you haven't so therefore you've got to to follow them now i should say i am a great believer in looking at what other people are doing and learning from that oh yeah 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 but from the point of view that of... That is essential in the beginning, yeah. Absolutely. And even sometimes as you go on, I see mm-hmm. coaches doing things. Mm-hmm. And I think, oh, that's quite interesting. And I always liken it to to kind of... I think this might... I've put it in the book somewhere. I think it's about like trying on a jacket mm-hmm. where you've seen somebody else in a jacket. You thought, oh, that's nice. And you try the jacket and think, oh, that doesn't quite work. Well, I quite like the mm-hmm. sleeves, but... I don't like the collar. So you take out the bits that work for you. Yes. And so you play. It's not like I've got to cut an arm off so that this coat actually fits right. me. I saw actually an interview of Elizabeth Gilbert that wrote oh, The Big yes. Magic with Marie Forleo on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And it's not a new interview, but somehow YouTube, you know, put as a suggestion for me I said mm-hmm. oh I didn't know she had an interview with Marifolio and it was actually an amazing interview of course because she's just amazing it was I think when she was launching Big Magic oh, and, and she said kind of what we're talking about and you talked about she said that there is no creativity without fear absolutely yes you yeah. have to go through that and she also said there's nothing new in the world yeah the only difference is that you give your flavor exactly Exactly. And I was like, yes, it's because so her true. book is pretty much all about that kind of yeah. like saying there's nothing new, but it's about your uniqueness. And yeah, yeah she has some woo-woo things in that book, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but again, it's, it's the essential of the book is this. You, you have to have fear, but you also have to believe in your uniqueness yes. that nothing is new. Everything was done in certain part of the world exactly, at, yeah. at one point. Yeah. And, and I always think this when it's interesting when you go with a friend to you know, it could be looking at art, it could be you've both read a book, the same book or you've seen the same film and you say, oh, what do you think about? Oh, well, I liked this bit. And you, you have the different bits that you like, but also you say, oh, I thought it meant dot, dot, dot. And you can have mm-hmm. totally different meeting, meanings out of the same thing. Yeah. And we sometimes can be frightened of having that different opinion, but it's just an opinion built on everything that you've experienced and learned. And, and it's important because it, it's like, you know, I know we're going to talk about my book in another session, but just using that, mm-hmm. there are lots of books out there that are self-help yeah. books. That are, mm-hmm. And I think it's, 
and I've got I've got lots of them in the bookshop bookshelf behind me Mm -hmm. and I think sometimes I can read them and I think oh I think I read that kind of idea in another book but I understand it better this time because of the way it's been communicated yes yes because of the way it's been written and so that's why it's important even if you think well I kind of do work like other people do but you've got your own emphasis on it and you mm-hmm. can make us see something different and, and it's a, we all yeah, and I also books. and I also have to say to you I don't think there is a lot a lot of books for artists are there in the terms that your book is and some few books like Big Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, there is not a lot. There's a lot about creativity that doesn't particular is for, for artists. There is creativity about, I just bought a book actually, it's a dancer, but she wrote a book about creativity. Is that and, kind of Yeah. I, and, I, I love that book. <laughs> yeah. Somebody said that was uh, great. So I, I bought it, but I think your book, it's unique in terms of, I've never seen a book. I mean, I can be wrong. Of course, there's millions of books out there. That is very to the point. Oh, very to the point and and clear, you know. But one question that I have about your, you know, the people that you talk with, do you help people that just, they want to be a professional artist or Sometimes it's just people that they don't want to, but they have this fear of creating. Is that all, all kinds of people? It's it's all kinds of. I always say um, I kind of say I work with creative professionals, but sometimes I work with people who have another profession who mm-hmm. want to keep that profession, but for whom the art is really important, ah. and they don't want it to be something that you know they don't. It could be that it's something that really nourishes them and something which also helps them deal with that other job. Mm. You know, they might have a job they enjoy, but it's quite stressful. Yeah. Um, and so the art is something which is a, a release from that. And also, yeah, and also through doing the art, um, it's because they're thinking in a completely different way, it sometimes gives them ideas for their if you like their professional job mm-hmm. and so it's about getting in touch with that creative part of them I sometimes work with people who um, are uh, kind of what I would call like corporate professionals you know they mm-hmm. have that sort of corporate life but who think in a creative way and so they they like to come to me because uh, you know, they. In, I always send a pre-session questionnaire. So before the session, just to get them in the mood, thinking what they want to be talking about. Mm-hmm. And and I have one client who always sends me back um, mind maps and slide decks with images because that's how she thinks best. So because she thinks creatively, she can then kind of brainstorm with me and then put that into her corporate world. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are perhaps I'm getting a few of these at the moment. People who have gone through the pandemic they might have been furloughed or they might have been working from home who are now going oh, I'm going to have to go back to that job mm. and I don't know if that's what I want to do because actually I always wanted to be you know an artist or a writer or a... so they're coming mm-hmm. to look at do they just not go back to their job or do they do they think well maybe I will start you know doing my art a bit more seriously on the side and maybe in two three four five years time I will 
go more professional with it. So it's people who are uh, really getting in touch with that creativity as um, sort of more than a hobby. Um, yes. And I, I'm not saying that in a dismissive way about you know, mm-hmm. art as a hobby. Mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely valid. But who want to take it perhaps a step further or make sure they're making time to do this or they're realizing that that creativity from painting or drawing or writing is actually an essential part of who they are, which makes the rest of their life better. Mm -hmm. Um, As well as the professional artists who, um, I guess the key kind of clients, if I'm thinking about it, are people who may have been to art school about five or six years ago, and they kind of came out of art school with a a bit of a whoosh and did really well, but Mm -hmm. have now realized that they perhaps haven't quite built up the networks or they're not quite sure what the next steps are. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of women, particularly who are the kind of empty nesters, they've been doing their art alongside Mm -hmm. being something for themselves or as a very low level kind of career Mm -hmm. but who have now got space where the children have gone and they're now going okay it's my turn now Mm -hmm. and they're not necessarily well some of them want to be hugely successful but some of them just want to say no this is who I am now I've done the Mm -hmm. wife and the mother and I'm always going to be that Mm -hmm. but now it's my turn to use all this life experience um that level and people who have just I think the biggest thing is change Um, I think that's what sends people to coaching is they think that or they feel that something needs to change. And sometimes they know what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, I've always wanted to do that and I've never quite made the leap. Or I first came to coaching when I went to a career coach and I was a fundraiser Mm -hmm. and I needed I wanted to change my job. And all I could see was going to the next level of fundraising, which I had never wanted to do. And I went to a career coach thinking I'm I'm trapped. I I use that word a lot at the time. I'm trapped in this career I never wanted to be in. Um, And I don't know what to do next. And kind of what happened was obvious in that there were lots of questions asked and things like, well, you have these transferable skills. You can use them there or there, which you don't see because when you're in that kind of trappedness, you, you can't think clearly. So it's the objective thinking that's so valuable yes um and so it's, it's often people just think i'm not in the right place but i don't know where the right place is or i know what this project is i want to do but i just something is and they need that help and they need help and what i offer is a safe space so people can mm-hmm. say what they think they can put those what they might think oh, this is a really stupid idea but they've got somewhere to say it <laughs> where they're not going to get laughed at yes where we can talk it through right um, we can find out that I'm an objective listener. Mm-hmm. But it's not like talking to a friend where, for instance, you might think, mm-hmm. um, you know, what I'd really love to do. I'd really love to go to, I don't know, New York for a year to, mm-hmm. to see if I can make my career work there. I know if you say that to a friend, they may be supportive, but the back of their mind, they may be thinking, but yes. what happened to me <laughs> for that crazy. year? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be on my own. And, you know, and so I come to it with a, okay, so what, if you went to New York for a year, how would you do that? What would mm-hmm. that mean? What would you get? More realistic, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's, it's kind of being a, um, I use all kinds of words. It's, it's a thinking partner. 
Mm -hmm. So I can throw ideas in. It's an objective, isn't it? It's a cheerleader. You know, so right. when someone says, oh, you know, my, my coach, when I worked, my career coach, my very first conversation was, I was, I said, I'm applying for all these jobs and I keep getting down to the last two and then I don't get the job. And she said, well, congratulations getting down to the last two candidates. And I went, yeah. And then carried on talking. She said, no, no, you got down to the last two. That's really good. And so I can do that for people. I can get them to see, you know, see where the winds are and how can you build on that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and also when you were speaking before and I, I kept that thought on my head because I didn't want to uh, interrupt you, but you were saying that sometimes in session, people say things that they will never say or they, yeah. you know, and yeah. I think that's true because I think it's the same validation because I did therapy um, uh-huh. for a long time and I will continue to do this because I moved. So I'm, I'm still arranging things, but I think when you have a, the psychologist or a coach or a social worker, whatever they are, I think people open up because you are a neutral person. And that's yeah. why I think therapy or coaching, whatever you, you want to do is so fantastic because actually my therapist, my last therapist, he didn't used to talk a lot, but I talk a lot. And then with my own thoughts, I arrived in my own conclusions. I would sometimes say to him, okay, I just had an aha moment right now. (laughs) I I had a session once where um, it was an hour long session and I sat down with the client and I said, so what would you like to talk about this time? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I'd like to talk about it. And at the end of an hour, I then said, so, okay, here are the actions you've come up. And she basically just did a, a, a train of thought for an hour of, oh, and if yeah. I did that, I could do it. And I didn't interrupt because I could see she was working it out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I jump in and pick up a point or if I, you know, or I'll ask a question to, to pull something out more. But I think a lot of it is, it's about being heard because often yes. when we're talking, the person we're talking to, and yes. I do this as well when I'm not in coaching, is you kind of go, oh, 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 I've got something to say to that. So we're waiting for them to stop talking so that we can mm-hmm. put our point in. And in mm-hmm. coaching, it's it's my job is to create. But also, you know, the person's not going to judge you exactly. because the person's not that to judge you exactly the person is there to and i also love to talk about you know a person that is totally neutral because they're gonna see things different because they are not with you every day they just really are seeing the point of your thoughts and how you can get out of it because many Mm. times my psychologist told things to me and he said what are you running from and i was like yeah me no And then I start thinking about it. Okay, (laughs) I never thought about this way. Let me think for a second. Yeah. You know, and when when you're at the end of it, it's all If if this was a friend, he would never say that to me. He would never see that point. Or maybe he would see that point, but he would never say to me. I mean, if you are very bland, I'm a kind of friend like this, I say. (laughs) But I know most of people, they don't want to, hurt your feelings and the other thing that I do that I think is amazing and if you are in that level that you want to grow as an artist I do critique sessions um, Mm -hmm. with a coach and to me I know many artists have a fear of that 
But to me, it's essential because she knows where I want to get. Yeah. Which I want to get. Not that people want to get, not things that maybe will sell. No, I know in my mind what I want and to grow. And I think that it's important someone says, and when we say critique, I think people already have fear. (laughs) What are you going to say? And it's about... For example, she told me last last week we had one and she said, well, I can see something here. You were doing that thing again. Yeah. <laughs> keep doing that. So your homework is to do this and this because yeah. I see you stepped way better now, but you have to step out of the same thing that you're using yeah. here. Yeah. So, and I was like, huh. <laughs> And then I look at I sketch that I did and I showed her, see, I did the same thing on this side. Yep, you did. So yep. let's let's branch out a little bit. Yep. Um, it, it's true. I think and it's I, important, right? To have is. that other yeah. eye. And, and I, I, another phrase I use about what I do is critical friend. So mm. I'm on your side. I'm always on your side. And that doesn't mean that I will just go, okay, that's fine. That's fine. No, sometimes it means that I will say, exactly as you said, you're doing that thing again, or I notice you always say that. I, I had a client who within about a 20-minute session or 20-minute segment was saying about things she'd been saying to other people. And she said, oh, and this person said they really liked it, which I was in, which surprised me because I thought they didn't like me. And she said that phrase, I thought they didn't mm-hmm. like me, about three times in 20 minutes. And I was able to then go, you've you've said this i'm just saying this back to you this is what you've said would what what let's do a a vital katie here is that true (laughs) yeah what what makes you say that and it made her realize that she always assumed that people wouldn't like her Mm. and so she kind of went into things just slightly aggressively because she was like getting she's being defensive and well if you're not going to like me I I don't care sort of thing and as soon as she realized that and she kind of allowed herself to soften up a bit more amazing what our thoughts can do oh god yes that's amazing I'm sure you know Byron Katie and yeah I a couple of years I think I I started to see her work and of course I started with Eckhart Tolle but Mm -hmm. he said little deep sometimes yes and when I found Byron Katie, it was just so simple. But at mm. the same time, I was like, oh, do I have to ask if my thought is true? Is never true? This is, that's so, that is absolutely. It's, it's, it's interesting. And I, I ask people, I'll put a link of her. She actually has a free worksheet that you can do the uh-huh. work yourself. She calls the work, but she has tons of videos on YouTube. and the funny thing is that not funny but the process is is that true and already gives you that but then she has again is that really true yeah and it's amazing when you watch on her youtube how people are like saying what you're saying he did this and he's like that and he did that and i thought that and she asked is that true and the person yeah it's true (laughs) and she says well meditate about it what it just said to me yeah and then she waits a little bit is that real true yeah and and they are like 
No. But you can see their faces like, wow. Because we, I we, just yeah. put myself in this torture when in reality it was not true at all. I created all that. Exactly. It's, I mean, in simple terms, it's like when we send, you know, maybe you send an email to a gallery to say, would you be interested in my work? And you don't hear back. And we tell us, well, they hate my work. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to be able to work. I'm not professional enough. And actually, the person was yes. on holiday and forgot to put their out of office on. You know, sometimes it can be that simple. But we. But in that have... moment, your work yeah. is not what they're looking for. Because especially guys, they go through kind of themes or, you yeah. know, phases. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. We tell ourselves things. It's kind of a job interview, right? Sometimes you are you have other credentials, but they say no, but because maybe for that particular part, you're not, you know, what they are looking for. Exactly. And we forget that it's our work. I say our work, because I think about it as as a coach as well, because I'm not a coach that would suit everybody. And that's something I have to live with, you know, is, Mm is that and it's not like, oh well, I'm a bad coach. No, I know there's a lot of people who I'm not the right coach for, but the people I work mm-hmm. with are, you know, it's exactly right. And it's the same with art. You know, if you think about it as yourself as an artist, you can appreciate other people's work, even if you don't particularly like it, even if you think I wouldn't have that in my home because mm-hmm. I wouldn't work with me, but I can admire it and I can appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But we we take these things so very personally. And part of it is because, particularly with artwork. It is, it's coming from yourself. It is your baby. Yes. So of course, it's going to be hard to, to take that. Yeah, step I up. think that's but what you, makes this kind of work yeah. hard, the mental work hard, because it comes from our heart, our soul. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, and I'm here when I'm, um, for you, the listeners is, we are not just talking about painters, but we are talking about all mm-hmm. kinds of art. Like if you write a book, if you're a writer, yeah. Oh my gosh, that really comes from, yeah. you know, within you and your thoughts and your hearts. Um, if you are a fiction writer, oh my God, you create all this exactly. world and, and stories and it's, it's fascinating. If you are potter, you know, you do pottery and things like that. I think we all have similar struggles yes. because we are artists and everything is very emotional. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah. and so it is going to hurt when someone says, hmm. It's not my kind of thing. It's like, oh, that's an arrow to my heart. And you're just going, okay. And at that point, it's it's that being able to just take a breath mm-hmm. and just go, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for for sharing. And then just going, okay, it's not, it's not personal. But the problem is uh, that we tend to then we take it on board and then we build it up. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they always say that if you ask an actor, they can never tell you they're good reviews but they can tell you the bad one and they can usually tell you every single word of the bad one i i do a lot of well before pandemic i did a lot of public speaking workshops and stuff like that and i don't know how many workshops i've delivered and i can kind of remember the feeling of that wonderful satisfaction of delivering a good workshop and knowing it's worked in a kind of a vague way but I can tell you every single detail of the two hours of the workshop that didn't work. <laughs> that, because, you know, that's, we remember the negative. Yeah. And part of it is, um, it's kind of a safety thing. It's mm-hmm. a kind of our brain going, remember this so that it doesn't happen again. Or so you can protect yourself. It's, it's like, you know, if you put your hand on a flame, you only do that once. 
because right. then you go, oh, I remember that hurt. I remember, yes. oh, you don't do it again. It's the same kind of thing, but we tend to forget that, oh, okay, let's learn that lesson and move on. We kind of, I don't know what it is about, about us as humans, but we tend to hold on to these negative things and believe that those are the truth. And then if you, the, the thing that I find even more frustrating is that when it works, it's a fluke. Oh, well, I, I, it was obviously just a good day or it was a better audience. Why? Yeah. No, celebrate, remember yeah. that who you are. Uh, something I think that helped me a lot in what you're saying is so true. And I think the way we can get out of this is just if in that moment that things are wrong, we teach our brain that it's okay to continue. Yes. Because I think I learned this in, with my son because my son is autistic. And mm-hmm. since the young age, we've been working so hard on simple things that many parents take for granted, right? Mm-hmm. When you have an autistic child, everything you have to teach several times, sometimes for years. Like for my son to get party trained, it was years. And the thing that I learned is that not get frustrated because mm-hmm. you just have to do it again and do it again and do it again. And today, when I see him, he's 12 today. Yes, he's still having shoes. He's still learning. There's still things he's learning. There's always things to learn because when you have a development disorder, you grow and you need new skills mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. takes years right mm-hmm. so but today when I see him going to the bathroom washing his hands or doing his laundry and I was like wow you know or eating because there's a, a time in his life that he had s- severe issues for mm-hmm. e- eating and it's like I think he taught me a lot about my brain never should have said, okay, I'm not, I'm going to stop because it's never going to learn. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. there was a moment actually that I, I remember clear when he was very, very young thinking, oh my God, he's never going to say mommy oh. and being sad about it. But that didn't make me stop trying for him to mm-hmm. learn how to speak. I think that taught my brain. Okay. We have to keep going because he has to learn because, you know, some autistic individuals, they don't speak at all. Mm -hmm. They end up not speaking. But I always, then I started thinking, okay, but if he doesn't, I, instead of being, okay, that's it. Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, but if he never speaks, I'll find ways for him to communicate a device or something. After I free myself from that thought that he never going to speak and I gave another solution we actually start to work hard and he ended up started speaking. Yeah. And yeah, he's not going to have conversations with you, but he can tell us what he needs. He can say things, he can sing, he can, you know, he understands everything. Yeah. So I think we just have to start blocking the brain mm. from that pattern. Because yeah. if we don't, then it's going to be a huge issue. But as a last point here, I would like to know if you see this a lot or if you work that a lot with people, because now about painting in particular, I believe that this happens in every field, but it is a long road mm-hmm. and it is a hard road. Mm-hmm. It is a road that it takes consistency. Mm-hmm. And um, Elizabeth Gurry even was saying that on her as a writer that, it, take, it took like 10 years. Yeah. 
And sometimes people get, because again, they see in social media, this people, yeah. and they don't know how long it took for people to get there, right? How long it took for that person to have 35,000 followers and sell things there. So do you get that kind of frustration and do you get people that get, you're like, I'm going to give up. It's not yeah. happening yet. Yeah. Because I mean, I think we all go through that. Yes. I, I, it's funny because I've not had anyone who said that to me, but I have had on a couple of occasions um, when someone said, oh, I've been doing this for so long and I haven't mm-hmm. got to where I want to be and, uh, and all these things that you've said and how difficult it is. And they're just, you know, they're completely slumped and miserable. And which I can understand because, you know, as you say, yeah. we all have days like that. And there was one, one woman I, I said it to. I said, um, if it's making you so miserable, why don't you just give it up? She went, oh, I can't give it up. And I said, why not? What's that? Why is that? Why can't you give it up? Mm. And it was about getting her back in touch with why she painted why she did her art Mm. and in her situation she was she was doing a job that she hated for about four days a week so that she can be in her studio for three days a week Mm. Um, and then she was trying really hard to sell the work she was creating on the three days I mean it's a common story and one of the first things I said is is there another job that you could do you know a job that why do you have to be doing a job that you hate for four days could you find a job that you could enjoy for those four days? While you're, you're getting your... While you're, you know, you're mm-hmm. doing... And, and but it could, what she came down to was that she, she would be doing the art regardless of whether it sold, because she had to do it. Oh, it yeah. was just so, yeah, you know. Yeah. And it's the difference between wanting to do art and needing to do art. Um, and... And she looked around and she found a job that she would enjoy, which was kind of loosely around art. Mm -hmm. Um, It was running courses and getting other people to come in to deliver, but it was using that idea. And she could do that for four days a week. That would pay all her bills. So she didn't have to worry about selling art to make a living. And she said, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to paint for myself. And I'm just going to create work. I'm not going to think about a collection or finding a gallery or I'm just going to paint for myself. And she had a studios within a, a studio block. And about three months later, she had an open studios. And I went to see her and she's going really well and people are interested. And she got back in touch with me after the weekend. And she said, I sold so much work this weekend because the work was being authentic. She'd come to me initially with, how do I make my work more commercial? Well, you can't really. Um, you just have to find your audience. She sold a lot of work and she decided what she would do was to put the money that she'd earned into a kind of a war chest and in a separate savings account. And she said, I'm just going to save that money and then see how it goes. And maybe in five years time, I might have saved enough money to then become a full or try to become a full time artist. Mm-hmm. And I think she's about four years into that and she's you know, got. I think she's probably got about a year and a half's money sold. So if she didn't, if she had no other money, she could live for a year and a half. And it freed her up so much yes. because she's painting for herself. Mm-hmm. And what's happening is the people 
who like her work are gradually finding her. She's finding the people who are liking her work are coming to her more rather than her having to go out and do all this kind of social media and always been thinking about I'm doing something I really hate in order to do something I really love. She's now doing something, as I say, some, she's happy in her work life mm-hmm. and she has this wonderful potential future. And I think it's when I was, I was always going to be an artist. Mm-hmm. And I went to art college when I was 19 and I did a foundation course in art, in graphic mm-hmm. design, which has been so valuable on so many levels uh, for me anyway. But during I think the first couple of days I realized I wanted to be an artist and everyone else there needed to be artists. You know, they always had the sketchbook. They were always looking at things in a mm-hmm. artily kind of way, if not I mean artistic way. Whereas I was only an artist when I sat down with a piece of paper in front of me and a pencil, you know, oh yeah, I'm being an artist now. They just were artists. I was doing art. They were being art, you know, and it was really interesting. And I found that quite I guess initially I found it quite upsetting. Oh, I always wanted to be an artist. But then I thought, no, it means that my creativity comes out in other ways. And it comes out in my coaching. It's come out in, in I used to tango dance and things like this. So it comes out in other ways. It comes out in writing a book. It comes out in designing my um, Instagram posts, you know. Mm-hmm. If you really, really want to create, if that is so fundamental of who you are, you will do it. Anyway, you will find a way of doing it. Um, I was looking at something recently, Grayson Perry, the, the, the famous uh, ceramicist, and he also does lots of programs and stuff. When he had no money, he was literally pulling things off the kitchen floor, like old straws and bit, things like that, and making 3D sculptures because he just had to create. Wow. And when you have that inside you, nothing will ever stop you. It's then just about, well, how do I make that transition to not even necessarily being a full-time artist, but how do I just make sure that I always have that space to paint? And then gradually you can build up your vision of where you want to go. It's all about expectations as well, right? I think you you had a quote here on your book that it's people get frustrated, but not because something that they projected didn't work, but it's not because the thing itself is not working. And that happens 99.9%. Yeah, it, it's the thing where we, um, uh, it's where, I mean, we want to produce something. We go, oh, I want to produce that kind of thing. And we produce something and it isn't that. It doesn't work out the way we thought. But I, I've got a perfect example, actually, a stupid example in a way. This morning I was on a, a spreadsheet and I had um, a spreadsheet that had questions, a question a day, oh, sorry, mm-hmm. a question a week, coaching question. And it was a question uh, per line. And I was thinking, oh, God, you know, how do I make this into a document rather than a spreadsheet without having to copy every line across? Mm-hmm. And I was going through all these different, you know, trying to find out if Apple will tell me how to do it and this kind of stuff. So suddenly it converted it into text. And it was like, that's not what I thought would happen. Oh, I thought, oh, hang on. It's worked. It's done what I wanted it to do, but a different way. And what happens so often is we go, that didn't work. Yes. And we, we close it rather than that didn't work the way I thought it was. But mm-hmm. what have I got out of it? What yeah. have I learned from that? And so often we, we get so into this box of this is the thing I want to produce yeah. that we don't see all the other stuff. OK, that didn't work. But 
all this other stuff does. So true. And sometimes yeah. it's bigger. But it's, it's an exercise. It's an exercise. People have to realize that it's an exercise yeah. and it takes time. It is. It is. It takes and time. A word I use a lot when I'm coaching is um, I talk about playing with things. Like I, I always give people actions to go away with. We decide what actions, two or three key actions they're going to work on in between sessions. Mm -hmm. And it's to help them you know, move forward. And I always, if I give them an exercise, I always say, start off by doing the exercise. It's like in the book, you know, start off with doing the exercise the way it's written. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't work for you, or if you think, well, if I just tweak that, it would work better for me, then do it, play with it. You know, don't, if, if you try the exercise and it doesn't work, it's not that you're wrong. It's just the exercise isn't quite right for you. But play with it and alter it and and try things out. And I think if you use that word play, it's about if you're playing, anything could happen. Um, and it gives you that permission to try things a little bit differently and not yeah. worry so much about the outcome because you're just playing. Yes. You know, and yes. sometimes just do things to say, I don't know how this will work out, but I'll just do it and find out, you know, yeah. and be open to whatever happens. It's yeah, it that's, that's the main thing. Life. We have to be open. We have to Absolutely. be open. Yeah. And so, Deborah, how people, if they don't know if this work with you would work for them, so how mm -hmm. do people can get it started? Do you have a free uh, call that people can just get it started and see if it's going to work for them, how that works. I do, absolutely. Um, if you go to either my website or you, know, you hook up with me on any, I'm on most of the social media. Mm -hmm. um, I'll put all the links in the notes. That's brilliant. Thank you. I have um, what's called a free, a free clarity call. It's a half hour mm -hmm. call and it's done on Zoom. And that's a general, generous time. It's a general thing, yeah. Well, I think it's important because you can explain what coaching is, mm -hmm. but I don't think you really get it until you, you talked earlier about an aha moment, but it's, it's actually being in the process, right? you know? And so it's not a sales call. It's about you finding out whether I'm the right person to work with, whether it mm -hmm. is what you want. Some people come thinking I'm going to be telling them what to do. Yes. They, you know, these, it's not that at all. It's about what it is that you want to do. And in the call, we kind of identify maybe what a key, you know, what, what is it? And you can clarify about. also the kind of work you do because many people are not, never did therapy or not used to talk on something. Exactly. Exactly. And they think it's all going to be about, no, no, that's wrong. No, no. What you want to be doing is, and, and it's just about. You're not going to be teaching them how to get more followers on Instagram. Absolutely no. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's about what it is, what it is that you want. Um, I mean, obviously in half an hour, you can't work out somebody's life right. completely, but it's to give an experience of coaching. Mm -hmm. At the end of that, then I, I always say during the call or at the end of the call, you know, even if we never talk again, I like to try and feel that people go away with something, perhaps right. an understanding about something. But then we can work together. And I work, I mean, I've got clients at the moment in France, in Canada, in Ireland. So this is the great thing about Zoom. You know, as long yeah. as we time zones work. I know. Um, and as long as the internet connection works, I can work with people anyway. And as long as I have I to be honest, as long as you speak English, because I do not speak any other languages. <laughs> yes, of course. I just don't have a facility with languages and then 
And then I also saw on Instagram that you have packages as well, right? That people can buy yeah. six. Yeah. I mean, if they like that and yeah. you and, have uh, packages of sessions, right? That's right. Yeah, they're usually six. And the way I found that works for a lot of people is to have monthly sessions because then mm-hmm. that gives you, have you time, time to go away to and do work. stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you get a check-in. Um, and it, I like that you also give some kind of homework. Yes. Right? Actionable steps. Absolutely. Because it's, uh, it, it, you have to get the balance. You know, sometimes you can spend a whole session talking about what is that one thing that's stopping you, but it's, and that's valuable. Mm-hmm. But it's not valuable if you're then not going to use that information and to yes. say, oh, okay, so now I understand. So that means that I could take that little step that I've been. Mm-hmm. you know scared of and so the actions sometimes they're only a tiny action or seemingly a tiny action but it could be a tiny action that you haven't been taking taking for six months but mm-hmm. that could just give you that confidence to you know move forward I mean it's so individual this is the thing it's sometimes it can be a big step um but having that meeting up monthly it, it, you know it's six months that gives you time to move projects yeah. forward it means you know that you've got someone who is that you can be accountable to who is on your side who is going to say okay so how did you do with the action and it's Mm -hmm. not well you didn't do that what was the point it was okay so why didn't action happen Mm -hmm. what stopped you I mean it could have been you know hey a global pandemic got in the way but it can Mm -hmm. be oh well you know well so what stopped you and that can I mean the very fact that an action doesn't get done can sometimes unravel something else as well you know so So after the clarity call then they can do a package with you do you do group coaching as well or no just individual I only do individual coaching at the moment but Mm -hmm. funnily enough I am looking at possibly introducing group coaching next year that would be the idea I'm thinking of is very small groups of maybe only about four people. And again, it would be monthly. Oh, that's so that exciting. you would be, um, and it can be with three other people that you know, or it can be with strangers, depending mm-hmm. how that goes. Um, I ask that because I just finished something called bootcamp and basically uh-huh. is, it was not, a, I don't even know how to call <laughs> it's, First of all, it was deep inside for us to know how to learn the rules of composition in our mm-hmm. work, but yeah. it was not like a class. It was mm-hmm. more, these are the rules and us having to do work and homework. And then we come to discuss this group of 10 women. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, it was profound mm-hmm. because of the group of women, because we all had different styles. Yeah. And our struggles with the rules of composition of that moment, for example, it was balance. And some people struggle, some people not so much, but our talk, it was not actually recorded because it was so personal and so, yeah. it was so amazing to just be there and talk about struggles or, or going geek with color and, you know, talking about balance or, you know, it was profound there were crimes, there were laughs, there were anger, yeah. you know. I think it's powerful. It was powerful I, to do know. that with women. I actually missed to have that. Yeah. We would meet twice a week because, you know, it was a for six weeks, a, a very intense 
thing. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I miss it. I miss to have that talks to women talking about art in a different way. Mm -hmm. Not about how can I sell or more about the art. Yes. And how we want to grow. Yeah. And I think that would be powerful also to do that in terms of self-growth for us and the talk about together about our struggles and have someone directing the conversation. So very exciting. Very exciting. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. And it's nice to have, I I like kind of a group of four because it means that they can get to know each other. And and also because um, it's, you can learn from the other people in the group as well. You know, the whole thing of, absolutely. you know, and, and even if it's not giving information, sometimes it can just be the asking the question, you know, well, have you thought of this or have you spoken to, or, uh, you know, almost with other people asking the coaching question. So it's like, as you say, me like facilitating the conversation. So it is something I'm looking at. Really so excited. tell people, I'm going to put everything on the notes, but tell people where they can find you. Um, the best place really is my website, mm-hmm. which is uh, catchingfireworks.co.uk. I love and that name. <laughs> it came from, um, I feel that's what I do, you know, when people have lots of fireworks yes. firing up. And I, yes, that's why I like it. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, on and your the, Instagram as well. Tell people Instagram. your Instagram because you do some great posts. Oh, thank you. Um, it's at fireworks DHP. Yeah. And if yeah. you go to the website, it mm-hmm. I'm across yes. all different social media. But so I will put all yeah. the links and I'll put also the yeah. link for the book. Thank and you. also I would say to people, I'll put also a link. I, I will try to see if Instagram has a direct link, but uh, Deborah participate on our, our talk twice on our that. artist friends um, Instagram. And was just absolutely amazing. Um, I'm so glad that they, uh, I discover you through them. So um, I will try to see if Instagram leave me a link. If I don't, I'll put the Instagram of where the talks are so you guys can catch. And again, we're going to do a book club of Deborah's book. And it's going to be really exciting. We're going to do a cheat it about the book, you know, a worksheet. So you can, and we're going to dive deep into the book. And probably Deborah is going to talk with me on Instagram about the book. Deborah, it is always amazing when we talk with you. It's just <laughs> absolutely a delight. I'm just, you bring every time I'm like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I love talking to artists. That's why I love my job. <laughs> yes, it must it's be amazing. Joy but I really appreciate how you give this, you know, you really, you, we can see that you really know what artists think and their struggles. It's, yeah. it's really amazing. So I really appreciate so much of being here. I'm delighted for all the people that are going to listen to this. And I tell people, if you are more interested, you can also DM Deborah on Instagram. Of course, mm-hmm. if you have any questions, DM her there, message her or her email, I'm going to be sure to put your email as well if people want to talk direct with you and not put comments or something like that. So if they want something more private. So Deborah, again, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. My pleasure. Lovely to talk with you as always. Thanks for listening. Check episode notes at the number two, worldart.com slash blog. 
Connect with Jana on Instagram at Jana underscore two worlds. And make sure to receive our artful insights by signing up at bit.ly slash join two worlds art.